This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. I'm your host, Tatiana, and each week we'll uncover stories, ideas, routines, and expert information to help guide you on your ever-evolving journey of good sex. We believe that through democratizing sexual wellness, we can shift cultural taboos and make way for authentic and limitless access to pleasure, joy, and connection to the body. Today, I'm excited to share my conversation with Kiana Kaveh, a chemist and the founder and CEO of Sublima, a pharmaceutical company working toward developing the first non-hormonal birth control pill on the US market. Kiana is a true force, having researched the BP oil spill at the age of 15 in her hometown of New Orleans, and raising over $1.2 million in research, inventing methods to detect toxins in the ocean waters. At now 22 years old, Kiana is a Forbes 30 under 30, airy real role model, TEDx speaker, and recipient of many chemical engineering awards around the globe. And now is on her next venture to revolutionize our hormones and take on big pharma. Simply put, Kiana's passion, enthusiasm, determination, and humility will leave you feeling ready to take on the world. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Kiana Kaveh. Kiana, thank you so much for joining me today. I am very, very excited to just chat with you about all the things that you're up to. And yeah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited for this conversation. It's going to be a good one. In your own words, I'd really just love to hear about how you started Sublima, which is your first female-led pharmaceutical startup that's on a mission to launch the first non-hormonal birth control pill in the United States, which I know that's a mouthful, but just tell me everything about this. Yeah, well, it's a big mission. Whenever I hear it, I kind of get like, wow, this is what I'm trying to do. I I mean, a lot of people would say that it sounds impossible, but those are the types of problems that I like to tackle. Um, I just, I like to stress myself out, you know, (laughs) but... I think for me, the biggest thing with starting this company was giving women a platform to really, there isn't really a big hormone movement right now. And and that's kind of what I'm trying to spark. I know there are lots of activists out there doing really good work, but there needs to be an overall platform for women to talk about their bodies and their health and specifically their hormone health because it has such a huge effect on our like body and our overall well-being but for some reason there isn't a lot of research like into hormone health especially for women which is really messed up so that was kind of my goal and my mission with Sublima but like you said we do want to launch the first non-hormonal birth control pill and I think later on we can talk about like how that will work because for a while, it sounded impossible. Yeah, and I mean, I can't imagine, like, to be someone 
your age and to just feel this confidence in this idea and have this drive to take something on like our hormones. Because like you said, I think that most women can relate to the idea that they don't know much about their hormones. Like we're just kind of told from a really young age, just like go figure this out, get on a pill. That's what all girls do. Um, And I think we don't really like question it. Exactly. And I mean, it's so frustrating. Like, don't even get me started with just the entire industry and the fact that the pill shuts down like several parts of the brain, right? And you would think that there would be a little bit more research into like how that might be affecting our mental health, our, I mean, there are so many different areas that really need to be like funded and researched. I know that like at the root of things, kind of just to backtrack because I'm so excited to just like dive into all things birth control, but I know at the root of things, you're actually a chemist. You started your career researching the BP oil spill. Tell me a little bit more about that. So at my core, I call myself like a mad scientist. It's totally self-proclaimed, but I am a huge nerd and a lab rat. Um, It started really in high school. I started... I learned what I was passionate about because I started skipping class and not caring so much about my actual grades to basically walk over to Tulane University. Their campus was really close to my high school, and there I actually was part of a lab that was doing oil spill research. It's the nerdiest thing ever. I like skipping class. Like I start to sound cool, and then you find out that it was like to walk to a lab. Um, but that was my life and I mean it still kind of is but obviously being from New Orleans the BP oil spill had a really big impact on this local community and while I wasn't like of age when the spill happened I mean we're still experiencing the effects we still don't know necessarily like the widespread impact that it's having on the environment because it's still being studied but one of the studies that I launched and proposed funding for was I I was kind of curious about what was happening at the molecular level like in the seawater because everyone was so focused on getting rid of the physical oil itself right right and sorry if I'm like nerding out by the way no go deep (laughs) I'm so here for it (laughs) but basically I kind of said obviously there are things that we can't see so I want to know what those things are because at the like very basic chemistry classes, they teach you that there are these photochemical reactions, basically reactions that happen with UV rays from the sun. Oil does react with sunlight and all of the different components of the oil. So I developed this method that now lets everyone know like what's actually in the water. We found out that there were carcinogens and that you would be way more likely to develop pancreatic cancer if you were to swim in that area of the Gulf uh, after the spill. So it was a pretty big revelation. One, to get people to realize that they can listen to people who are 16, but then also just be more open-minded, you know? And that's when I realized that I'm really passionate about research. And I mean, it's so incredible that you had the confidence to be able to want to dive into something like this at the age of 16. I can't I can't believe that. And I mean, it speaks to the work that you do today, which I'm so blown away by. So 
kind of transitioning from you being a chemist researching the BP oil spill, I'm curious, like, what sparked that transition from Kiana working as a chemist on the oil spill to Kiana wanting to launch Sublima? Well, one, when the oil spill project, I really wanted people to stop calling me oil spill girl. I was passionate about that project individually, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to dedicate my whole life to oil spills just yet. I was still in that like phase of exploring what I'm really curious about. So when that project ended, I was in my sophomore year of college. So I decided, let me just try to be a normal student for once, like not go straight from a frat party to my lab, like still glitter on my face and all of that. And instead just get straight A's, maybe. (laughs) So I did that and I got extremely bored. I was very unhappy. And around that same time, I turned into a total bitch. And all of a sudden I was having these crazy mood swings. I was like, my friends were just telling me, like asking me if something was wrong all the time. And then I gained around 20 pounds. I was breaking out in crazy acne. And I've always had a little bit of acne, but this was like cystic. And it really started to scare me. So I went to three or four doctors and I talked to all of them and none of them even considered that it could be the pill. That's problem number one, right? Is that just because the package says that there's only like a 2% chance that you'll have side effects, it's just not true. I, I could go into why it's actually not true. The FDA doesn't require these companies to test on certain types of people. So the fact that doctors basically regurgitate these facts instead of looking into your situation individually, it's like the most frustrating thing. I find that the more and more I talk about birth control, even my own personal experiences, I completely went cold turkey off the pill because it made me a crazy psycho human. And the more I talk about it, the more I talk to others about it, I just have realized, like, what are these weird percentages that they say, like, hardly anybody gets the side effects because most people I know change i mean we can go into it a little bit like please just cut me off let's go into it let's do it basically when a company wants to get a drug approved by the fda they only have to test on what they would call healthy volunteers meaning that these people don't have any pre-existing health conditions these include diabetes high blood pressure hypertension like deep vein thrombosis Uh, i mean like it goes on they're PCOS. All of these people are excluded from the trust. So yeah, of course, when you test on a genetically perfect human, of course, only 2% of them are going to have side effects. But that's not the population. Like I have high blood pressure. No one would ever know. But I think the majority of people have something going on, whether it's diagnosed or not. So that's part of the bigger issue. I definitely want to spread awareness that those facts are all based on perfect human beings. Wow. I had absolutely no idea. That's insane. And so I didn't mean to cut off your story earlier, but we were chatting about kind of that transition that sparked you and you were saying that you were kind of you had gained a lot of weight that you had found yourself getting really moody yeah so I had visited so many doctors and I thought I was dying literally I called my mom and I said I think I'm dying I don't know what's wrong with me and then I finally went to one doctor it was the first female doctor that I visited and 
she immediately said, what birth control are you are you on? How long have you been on it? Um, I think you need to stop taking it. And it just seemed like she had dealt with a lot of these cases before. And she's like one of those few doctors that actually like believes those side effects. So sure enough, I listened and I stopped taking it. And within weeks, the weight just came off. I don't know how it's possible to gain and lose in the time frame that I did. I mean, once that happened and I just felt back to normal, like this cloud was like lifted from over me. I was upset. Like I was pissed, you know, and I immediately knew then like, this is my next project. I don't know how I'm going to do it, how a 20 year old is going to get a drug approved by the FDA, but like, we're going to do it. And I've been working on it ever since. You are just that one person who that happened to where you were like, nope, no, no longer. We have to change this. (laughs) Don't piss me off. (laughs) So what did that like, what was your first step? Like when, when that just suddenly happened and then you had the idea that you, you know, you were just angry and you needed to change something. What made you think non-hormonal birth control is the route that you want to get into? My thought process for this was, or anybody taking hormones, really, once we realize that our bodies are more sensitive to them, our immediate thought process is, okay, well, what are my other options? And in exploring my options, I realized that there is no perfect one, like for anybody. So we have the pill. And obviously taking hormones if you don't have to really sucks because lots of people have side effects. So that's not a perfect option. Then we have the IUD, which it's very effective, but it's scary as hell. Like I had it for a few months and I was like constantly going and getting it checked, which was expensive, but I was paranoid. It's around $2,000 if you don't have insurance or if they don't cover it. And then we have condoms, which they're expensive and you can't be spontaneous with them. And did I already mention they're not that effective? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, you know, you have like the sponge, but ultimately like there isn't that one method that works for everybody and is accessible to everybody. So I thought that's where a non-hormonal pill would come in. We need a pill that's cheap, that everybody can access through their pharmacy, even if they don't have insurance, and it needs to not have hormones. So tell me the difference between hormonal versus non-hormonal. Like what's the difference happening in our bodies? So basically, when you take the hormonal pill, it's a mix of synthetic estrogen and progesterone. So basically, scientists created in a lab these two hormones that mimic the natural sex hormones in our body. So when we take this, our natural production of estrogen and progesterone actually stop because our body says, oh, well, you have this like third party source all of a sudden. And so there's no reason for me to keep producing your estrogen. Mm. The issue with this is that typically the pill, the dosage in the pill is only around one tenth of the estrogen that we actually need. And I know that we learned maybe not even in sex ed, but just it's very commonly understood that estrogen is the primary female sex hormone. Yep. So naturally, to feel like a female, just to embody what it means to be a female, we need we need our estrogen. Actually, when I was at the doctor, I took a blood test and it showed that my body thought it was in menopause because my estrogen levels were so low because I'd been on the pill for so long. So scientific like facts that 
it depletes our estrogen and that's why we're experiencing like all of these side effects. The non-hormonal pill works by delaying our ovulation. So instead of stopping us from ovulating completely, because I believe that women need to ovulate, it's just part of the natural process. Instead of stopping that, it just delays it to a point where if the egg were to be fertilized, it's not in an environment that would support it. I couldn't agree more with you. Like we are so meant to ovulate. The natural menstrual cycle, like if you just go through it, we're, we have different moods throughout the cycle. Like when we're ovulating, we feel sexier and more confident and we take, we're willing to take more risks. And I mean, that plays into other parts of our life, not just our sex life, you know, in our careers. Like we need our ovulation period to like just go out and be badasses, you know? Absolutely. And so I'm curious from you, like what are some of the pillars of our well-being that we should be aware of with our hormone health? Like, is there a routine for happy hormones? I'm sure this ties into kind of like the ovulation thing we were just mentioning. This is such a lie. I was about to say I try to eat healthy and then I just thought about what I had this morning. Um <laughs> In general, um, I think it's important to take vitamins, and I can't really recommend any specifically, but if you go and, like, ask your doctor about what vitamins you might need, really push to try to get a blood panel done, like a hormone panel specifically, because that will tell you so much about your current hormone health. And I like this sounds really messed up and twisted, but you might have to tell your doctor that you've been having like an irregular period because they won't just allow you to test your hormones just because you want like that isn't that screwed up too that's so wild but i would say like start there try to just take charge of your own feminine health because your doctor honestly might not be the one to help you with it get your hormone panel done and then kind of go from there i'm actually reading this book right now that is called the hormone reset diet by Dr. Sarah Gottman, I will, without a doubt, you know what, I honestly am going to send you a copy because she talks about how our diet and what we eat is completely related to um, our hormones and especially for women, just how they should be getting blood panels to really see what that looks like. But what I meant to ask you though, and I'll speak from personal experience in the medical system, a lot of the time it can be really hard to go in and ask for what you want or what you need without kind of feeling like the system is not working for you. Like there's so many layers that would have to be unpacked with this, but I mean, number one, historically, doctors just don't believe women for some reason. We're like crazy and dramatic and overreacting. Going in and sort of being frank with your doctor and kind of pushing these things. Like I said, with the blood panel, obviously, until this movement changes the world. Another tip would be to tell your doctor that if they deny giving you any of the tests, that you request to please include that denial on your chart because then your doctor is liable if something happens to you like further down the road. That's definitely like one way to get what you want. There's like no harm in getting a hormone panel. And so was the last time that you got a hormone panel, was that when they told you you were basically 
premenopausal or what was it? Menopausal? Menopausal. Wow. My estrogen levels were so low that she compared my chart to a woman in menopause and they looked pretty much the same. And so tell me what your understanding of the birth control movement is today. Like, what are you seeing on the ground level? Uh, Not a lot. One of the most frustrating things is that when I call myself like a women's health activist, like specializing in hormones, because it's like not really an established movement yet, per se, most people immediately start calling me this like holistic wellness, like advocate. And okay, so I'm not bashing holistic wellness experts, but there's a com- it's a completely different field from the medical field itself. Yep. You know, I feel like people are still associating hormone research with like pseudoscience and they're just not taking it as seriously as they should. When I walk into a room and I call myself a hormone activist, people should be taking that more seriously than they currently are because hormones again are a huge deal but i mean there are already people like spearheading this movement dr jolene brighton um, is one of my favorites i don't know if you've read her book i haven't read her book but i follow her quite closely on social media awesome and then sarah hill she's another doctor who wrote a book called your brain on birth control these women are keeping me going because they remind me that they just inspire me to want to build like a similar platform to just help more women I mean, this kind of segues into my next question for you, which is all about jumping and tackling big pharma as a black woman in startup. What's that been like? Because you are on this ground level, on this playing field with everybody else. And, it, and even from what you were saying earlier, like you want to be able to create a pill that's cheap, that's accessible, whether you have insurance, whether you don't. You're coming from the perspective of a woman who's dealing and has dealt with these issues versus a lot of people who do work in big pharma. It's so male. It's so white dominated. I'd love to hear just more about that. Yeah. And I mean, I know that like in the beginning, you said that I sound confident when I talk about this, but there was and like still is this kind of sense of imposter, like major imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. that I'm having. But I just remember my whole demeanor changed in the beginning when I started this project. Like I went from confidently pitching and talking about my my, like oil spill research, like I just owned the whole industry, you know, to this. I remember. So I applied for YC, Y Combinator. It's this like startup incubator in San Francisco. And it was like one of my first real pitches. I just remember going into the interview and I was like physically shaking for some reason. I like dropped my phone. Like I was just so clearly nervous and stuttering. And I left that interview thinking like, who is this girl? I don't recognize her. And it was because big pharma like is no joke. And it's, it is really intimidating to like go up against some of these major companies and it definitely is like a very small fish feeling especially going from being a big fish in my world of oil spill research at the end of the day this isn't going to get done if someone doesn't do it I mean I'm like sitting back here I'm like I would be dropping my phone in a meeting with 
people, even if I was talking about oil spills. So it's funny. I mean, I wonder what that like mentality, what, what is different in that mentality? And I wonder if it's tied to the fact that we are talking about women's health, you know, oil is oil. Like there's really not a lot of taboo in that. Right. And now we're, you're suddenly jumping into, to a room where you're feeling full of men yes full of men where you're trying like you're just trying to explain like hey like I also have to educate you here and then tell you like we're doing a lot of things wrong yeah and it's a new feeling but it's humbling for sure so I'm curious too like the non-hormonal birth control pill does that exist already in other countries are they available as a means of contraceptive outside of the u.s versus the rest tell me a little bit more about that yeah so i guess i'll just start with how i like discovered that it does exist so in the beginning when i said that there has to be a non-hormonal birth control pill I was totally just like pulling that out of thin air. I thought that we were going to have to go and like develop this drug from scratch, spend years just even creating it. And one day it was like 2 a.m. and I was just on Quora. It's this question answer site. And I just asked, is there a non-hormonal birth control pill? And all of the American doctors responded like, of course not. That's impossible. And these women from India started responding to it. And they said, yeah, of course. Like, why would you have a pill with hormones? Like, that would really ruin your body. And I thought, are you kidding me? So, <laughs> oh, my God. You must have been, like, at 2 a.m., just, like, j- jaw dropped. I would have been, like, no way. And, like, I mean, it was an adrenaline rush, though, when I found this out because I was like, holy crap, like, we're going to do this. Whatever this drug is, like, I didn't even know the name of it yet. I was like, we're bringing it here and everywhere. It needs to be everywhere. So I started doing some research and ended up partnering with the lab that actually designed and created it. It's been a really amazing process. It started, like, the drug is available in India. Like, that's where women have been taking it. Yeah, and it's free and it's over the counter. It's (laughs) subsidized by the Indian government. I am just like head tilting because I just still am so baffled why our government is not giving away birth control for free. Uh I know that we chatted about going up against big pharma. I'm curious, like, what is your advice to people who are entering spaces where they don't feel like they belong, but they have such an important and vital voice in, in whatever they're up against? All I can say is, number one, take a CBD gummy or some, like, something before you go into that room. Fake it till you make it. Whatever you're doing, I'm sure you're doing it because it needs to be done and it's long overdue. And unfortunately, until we enter that room and own it and allow ourselves to own it, people are going to try to knock us down and treat us like we don't matter. So literally don't let them. So you've given TED Talks, you're a Forbes 30 under 30, you sold a business, and you're an airy, real role model. Would you have ever imagined that this would be you today? No, of course not. And it's just weird because there is no defined path. There never really has been. And so 
I just keep saying yes to things that I think are cool. And sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But when they do, these different things have been life-changing. Becoming an airy real role model. Like, I just got to do, well, not just. This was back in January um, before the pandemic started. But I was, like, doing a bikini shoot with airy in Key West, like on the beach. And I never thought back in high school when I was a lab rat, like literally working in the lab until 2 a.m. sometimes in my big goggles that I would be modeling swimsuits on a beach. But I'm really grateful for like how everything is just played out and hopeful that my luck doesn't like run out. Oh, it will not. You are on such an incredible trajectory and it's amazing. But I'm curious too. So I always ask people about what their sexual wellness routines are because I find that we learn best from people's stories, from people's routines, and just learning from the people around us. So tell me a little bit about what that looks like for you. Do you have like a personal mantra when it comes down to your sexual well-being? I would definitely say that I wasn't really in tune with my own sexual health until I went off the pill. When you think about it, like I had gone on the pill when I was like 15, 16. And like technically, yes, I was already developing into a woman at that point. But a lot of the like crucial experiences were supposed to happen, like, you know, when you hit that age. But all of that was stunted when I started the pill because it just like suppressed all of those hormones. So when I like started ovulating basically for the first time since I was 15 I was kind of at the age where I was really like exploring all of that and it like I felt amazing I feel like ovulating has a lot to do with it because sexual wellness and feeling confident in that space it sort of like transforms you and that confidence like carries over into like everything else that you're doing, your social interactions, professional ones. Yeah, I'm really grateful that I ovulate. (laughs) So tell me what is something that you do when you are feeling disconnected? How do you reconnect back to yourself? I've never, I don't think I've ever like talked about this publicly, but I'm really big into meditation and Not just, like, the kind where you sit crisscross applesauce with your, like, fingers connected. Like, not like that. I believe that we can meditate anywhere, at any time, in any situation. It's a matter of detaching from your external environment and calming yourself down, like, from the inside. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. My whole family thinks I'm crazy because... Like, this first started whenever I would, like, think about a problem I was solving. My forehead would start to tingle. Sounds so crazy. But there's, like, research on how it's actually the pineal gland, and it's, like, inactive in a lot of people, like, just evolutionarily. But for some reason, my pineal gland is active, and it starts to tingle. And I do believe that, like, anyone who practices meditation for long enough can like get to that point of like self-realization. Again, I think there's this like stereotype that meditation has to be like look a certain way, but like it could literally be like going for a jog and listening to your favorite music and like zoning out. 
Mm. into your thoughts like that is meditation totally so tell me how your routine has shifted in any way since the pandemic and even the entire black lives matter revolution that's happening before us I know that so much has changed like even myself like the routines that I find that I've relied on for so long like they just suddenly haven't worked like I've had to find new ways to just be with myself so tell me like has it shifted for you in any way a hundred percent like for one I can't just like walk around in my underwear anymore and for me like that was like my most comfortable state because I'm staying with my family um but aside from that I think I feel like when you're in a setting that like gives you certain memories you start to like embody that person again and I feel like a child and I'm just really excited to get back and like be on my own again you know Mm, I totally hear you what is your message for young women who want to begin taking ownership of their bodies I would say that no one has to give you permission to take ownership of your body not your doctor not your parents not your boyfriend or girlfriend nobody except yourself so If you want to start exploring different things, go ahead and do that. If your doctor doesn't want to give you a hormone panel, literally threaten them and ask them to put it on your record because that will probably scare them into giving it to you. Um, But literally, in any sense, don't ask for permission. Just do it. And I promise you will feel fulfilled on some level. So tell me, with Sublima, it just launched very recently. Tell us, like, where you're at. What's happening right now today with it? We're kind of in a rough patch because we started clinical trials. And now, because of the pandemic, they're obviously paused because the women in the trials, like, would have to check in at certain, like, facilities. Um, But because of social distancing, those facilities just aren't available to them. So we're kind of in limbo, but we will be launching a lot of content soon. And so that's something we've been able to, to work on, like during COVID is the movement itself and what we want our message to be. So I'm really excited for everyone to see what we have planned. Kiana, this was so incredible. So please tell us where we can connect with you and what we have to look forward to. Yeah, no, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I always answer like my Instagram messages. So it's at Kiki the Chemist, super nerdy, but (laughs) that's me. And in the future, I would say obviously Sublima's uh, campaign will be launching soon and we'll have lots of really good content about women's health and hormones and how to kind of take charge of your body. I truly can't wait. Me either. Thank you for having me. Seriously. Thank you for listening to the Bedside Podcast. If you liked this episode and want to follow along with similar stories and interviews, be sure to check out our Instagram at the bedside and thebedside.co online. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and of course, share with your friends. It's the best way you can support us and our good sex mission. Thank you for listening.